Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me well? Great. I uh, love the season of Advent. Um, we're so excited about Advent here at Hope Church. We've actually moved it a week earlier. You may have noticed that the first of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent is next Sunday, but we get really excited about Advent and Christmas. Um, I did hear of somebody, actually, they might be in the room, um, who watched a Christmas movie in October. I'm not sure that's um, proper. The prayer team are aware. They're um, going <laughs> to minister to them later on. But I'm a 1st of December. Our family's a 1st of December. Get the decorations out. Any, any other 1st of December people? Sort of feels like a great marker. The music's allowed to play. The decorations are going up. That's wonderful. But Advent is a, is a season of anticipation, of expectation. Of course, primarily it's not about getting ready for the big day. It's, it's, a, it's a longing and a hope and expectation about Jesus, isn't it? His first coming, we look back to that. We're also anticipating looking ahead to his first, his second coming. We're looking to that as well. But there's this sense of longing, I believe, that is in, in every person and, and was there a tremendous sense of longing um, for things to be made right. I, I don't know, maybe you can remember times that you've longed for something for a long time. Maybe you've waited for a long time and it's been longing for a, a baby or you're looking forward to that wedding day or um, waiting to see a friend you haven't seen for a long time. That, that was our experience last year. So excited, a longing building up inside of me. Uh, maybe it's even for our birthdays. Uh, it, was, it was my birthday yesterday. Uh, thank you, thank you. And even, even, though I'm, even though I'm 40 <coughs> years old, I, I was getting really excited. I had that build-up coming for a few weeks. All of that longing that we ever feel for all those sorts of things just is only a glimpse, a tiny glimpse of the longing that was there for a saviour to come. Before Jesus came in the Old Testament times, there was a tremendous longing. There were rumours, there were prophecies happening of, of, of somebody coming to redeem and rescue us. All the story, the stories of the whole Bible, they're held together by one single overarching story. The story of God's mission to rescue and renew his broken creation. There was a plan that God had in mind to send a redeemer into this broken world. A perfect saviour for a broken world. The perfect saviour for a broken world. Some of our Christmas songs speak of this longing O come, O come, Emmanuel, we sing. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. And one of my favourite Christmas songs, O Holy Night, says this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That expectation, that longing, that waiting. We're going to read one of the prophecies that comes in the Old Testament about the coming of Jesus. And it's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. It's a familiar passage we hear uh, around about Advent and Christmas time, about Jesus. It's a wonderful passage that paints an amazing picture of Jesus as a perfect saviour, about his identity and character. Uh, it tells us about the good news of the gospel in there as well. It's a beautiful portrait of how Jesus is the perfect saviour for a broken world. Isaiah was a prophet. A prophet was somebody that, uh, like a spokesperson uh, for God to the people. And there were many, actually, prophecies about the coming of Jesus 
given in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus came. And it's amazing how they are fulfilled in Jesus. All these prophecies builds tremendous confidence in me, in God's word, in God's trustworthiness. We were hearing earlier about trusting his word. Well, all these promises that were given came to pass in Jesus, written hundreds of years before he was born. And let's read this one together from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Uh, At the end of chapter 8, it ends with darkness because of of sin, because of idol worship, of of trusting in other nations to save us. Uh, They've rejected God and his word, and the Assyrian army is coming. And into this speaks the prophet, speaks this word to the people. Let's read Isaiah 9, 1 to 7. Nevertheless, I love this. You could preach just the whole sermon on that word. Nevertheless, despite all of that, God is the God of the nevertheless. There's something else, something better to come. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. And we'll we'll hear all about that in a moment. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. That's because Jesus himself came and ministered right there in Galilee. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, that was was when Gideon defeated the army of Midian, You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. It's predicting the defeat of the Assyrians, and that came to pass as well. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Wonderful stuff, wonderful. I just want to pray before I carry on and we speak and hear what God has to say to us today. Let's pray. Father, we love your word. We thank you for already speaking to us today. We want to listen to you. Lord, I pray that you would speak into every heart this morning. Let us see this glorious portrait of Jesus, who is exactly who we need. I pray, and Lord, would you help me to speak your word faithfully in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, the first thing I want to explore today is how Jesus is the light of the world and brings a new and glorious day. We mentioned that word, nevertheless. Well, it was like that, but now, but now something new is coming. And it's so beautiful to realize this, that there's a fulfillment of these first couple of verses that speak of this beautiful new beginning. In Matthew 4, 
we read of the fulfillment of those verses because Jesus went and lived and began his ministry in Galilee, in Capernaum, in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. They were the first to fall to the Assyrians and they're the first to hear the good news through Jesus. He comes right into their midst, a new beginning for those people. Light into darkness. And darkness is a, is a metaphor for life without God. They deserved darkness, but the light came instead. It was joy breaking on the hearts of sinners. Verse 3 is talking about that joy, that rejoicing. Turning mourning to dancing, we were singing earlier. Ashes to beauty. Despair into hope. Nevertheless, some of us need to hear that today. Nevertheless, this is what Jesus can do in our lives today. And I, I believe the key to understanding the good news about Jesus is accepting that this was our situation apart from Jesus, that we needed a saviour. We need a saviour. It would have been just of God to leave us in darkness. But in his grace, he sends Jesus into this dark world to bring the light of the truth of the gospel. It says in John 8 verse 12, John 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, there's, there's not steps to enlightenment, which we sometimes hear elsewhere. There's not steps to enlightenment. Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. The light of life will come to us. Light is a picture of salvation, of, of true life, and darkness a picture of, of death. Darkness turning to light is passing from death to life. The old has gone, the new has come. I love this from Psalm 18. It says, You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Only Jesus can do that, folks. Only Jesus can do that. He turns darkness to light and gives a new and glorious day to all who trust in him. Verse 6, I want to spend some time in verse 6 in particular, looking at these wonderful names of Jesus. Jesus has so many names because he's so amazing. It's a bit like when you look at a diamond, you can just keep looking at it from any, any every angle. There's just so much more always to see of Jesus. These wonderful names, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These are names that capture who Jesus is and, and how he satisfies people's deepest, deepest needs. So look at wonderful counsellor, that we have a, a true, we have a trustworthy, a wise and trustworthy king. We were singing earlier, we were speaking, Chrissy brought that word we can trust Jesus. He's a wise and trustworthy king. But let's just hang for a moment on that word, wonderful. Again, one of those words we overuse, but Jesus is full of wonder. Absolutely full of wonder. And I, I feel like we're losing that sense of awe in the world today, that sense of wonder. In many ways, we're so distracted, so much coming at us, so much information, so much all this stuff, let us not lose our awe and wonder that you cannot be bored with Jesus. Yeah, you cannot be bored with Jesus. 
who he is and what he's done should fill us with tremendous wonder. He's a wonderful counselor, meaning he's amazing and perfect in truth and wisdom. And every one of us needs truth and wisdom. We need someone full of truth and wisdom in a world so full of confusion, so full of lies and confusion. We were singing earlier, I I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Another song we sing, we're all searching for answers only you provide. We can trust that what Jesus says to us is true. Amen? can trust what Jesus says to us is true. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Huge words. Jesus is the standard. He is the truth. He's not saying, I'll give you some steps to find the truth. He is truth personified. He is the standard for truth and wisdom. And many times he says in his ministry, he said, I tell you the truth. And when he stands before Pilate, he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's huge. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. It says that people were amazed at his teaching. Like you, he speaks like no one ever spoke before, it said. And you, he speaks as one who had authority. There are some guards who are sent to arrest Jesus at one point in the book of John, John 7, 46. And they come back and they say, no one has ever spoken the way this man does. They're amazed at what he says and at his speech, his wisdom, everything. Whose voice are you listening to today? Whose voice are you listening to? There are so many voices, opinions, beliefs out there. Whose will you listen to? I want to encourage us to turn up the truth, like a volume knob. We can turn up the truth. So as we hear so much going on, turn up the truth of God's word, turn up the voice of Jesus in the face of all kinds of things that we hear. We might be believing all kinds of lies about God, about others, about ourselves. Turn up the truth. Something that I'm trying to do uh, these three R's that really help me recognize a lie, recognize it, refuse to jump on that train, refuse to take that on board, I'm not buying it, and replace it with the truth. Replace it, so recognize it, refuse it, and replace it with the truth. Turn up that truth of God's word and of Jesus' voice over all these other voices We can trust in the wonderful counselor's plans. Sometimes we may not understand everything that's going on in the world and in our life, but we can rest within the wisdom of God's plan. The wisdom of God's plan that we see these fulfillments of all these prophecies. We can trust him. He's just shown, he's just proven his word and his faithfulness as all these different prophecies about Jesus came to pass came to pass. There are prophecies about his birth, his death, his resurrection, all about his life that come to pass. We can trust God with our lives. All these things just proving Jesus is trustworthy, a trustworthy and wise king. Counselor has also this idea of king, of a ruler, a wise and perfect ruler who has the right to rule and reign over your life, over your life, 
decisions, all those sorts of things. He has the right to rule over us. He is a wise and trustworthy king. And it says in verse 7 that he will return to establish his kingdom in its fullness. He's inaugurated his kingdom, but he's returning to establish it in his fullness forever. We have Jesus, a wise and trustworthy king. It's one of the ways that Jesus is the perfect saviour for a broken world. Next wonderful name here is Mighty God. Mighty God. Now we sing at Christmas that he is God in flesh appearing. We sing possibly my favourite carol, always a bit of a risky thing to have a favourite carol, but I think my favourite carol is Hark the Herald Angels Sing, absolutely rammed with great truth. <laughs> Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Matthew 1, uh, 22, again about fulfilment and about God being with us. All this took place, that was Mary and Joseph and the angel speaking to them and Jesus coming. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus has been here. Jesus has, he's a perfect saviour because he knows what it's like to be here. He walked this earth. He lived among us. He understands you. He knows us. He worked here. He suffered here. He didn't just sort of drop in and zoom in, do bang, bang, a quick mission trip. Jesus lived among us. He is God with us, Emmanuel. And throughout his life, Jesus proved that he is God. All these miracles, he turned water into wine, he walked on water, he controlled the weather, he raised the dead and healed the sick, he cast out demons, he forgave sin. And, and the Pharisees were like, only God can forgive sin. Exactly. So many different ways he shows he is God. He says outrageous things. Before Abraham was, I am talking about being God himself. Philippians 2 says he is in very nature God. Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God and all God's fullness dwells in him. Hebrews 1, he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. Amazing. You know, there are some angels mentioned in the Bible, that do amazing things. If they appeared in this room, we might hide under our chair. They are so outrageously amazing. Angels. There is an angel mentioned in Revelation 18 who lights up the entire world. That's an angel. And the Bible says Jesus is superior to all the angels. Far superior. We've been singing this great above it all. Jesus is mighty God. He's fully man and fully God. To be a perfect saviour, he had to come as a man. To take our place, he had to fully identify with us and yet be without sin. He had to be more than a man because no person can save us. If he's not God, and if he wasn't perfect, his sacrifice wouldn't be sufficient for us. 
He is mighty for us today. He will deliver us from fear, the fear of death. He has conquered death. He can deliver us from the fear of evil. What is there to fear when we know Jesus? What is there to fear when we know this Jesus? And as mighty God, he is strong, strong for you. We come acknowledging today our weakness and it humbles us. That Where is pride in us anymore when we look at Jesus, superior to angels who we worship and bow down to as truly God? We come in humility and we come in and, and just yield that control of our lives to this wise and trustworthy king and to this mighty God who's perfect in every way. When I went through the hardest season of my life, I, I flamed out big time, burnout of all burnouts. And one of the verses that God just, just shot home to me was in Colossians 1, 17, where it says that Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. You don't have to hold it all together. That's Jesus' job. You don't have to hold it all together. That's Jesus' job. He's mighty. He holds it all together. He is a perfect saviour for a broken world because he is mighty and because he has been here with us, fully man and fully God. Next wonderful name, Everlasting Father. We need a love that never fails. We need an everlasting saviour. Everlasting, Jesus has always existed. He's eternal. Jesus is the only person who ever existed who existed before they were born. You know, and only someone from eternity could save us. This is unique, totally unique. Only someone from eternity could come and do what needed to be done. We, we need a saviour who will live forever. Who conquered death. We need a saviour who's alive not dead. There's no grave to visit. You know, many of us will have seen, you can go to different, I went to Paris years ago, there's a grave for Jim Morrison, the lead singer of the rock band, the doors, like flowers and graffiti, and the people just go there like on a pilgrimage. There's no grave to visit for Jesus. He's not there, he is risen. And in all this change, that happens in our own lives and in the world, Jesus is constant, everything else fades away. You and I will fade away on earth. Our bodies are fading already. Jesus is forever. Jesus lasts forever. We need a saviour who won't leave us. We need a saviour who won't let other people have left us. I don't know. Some of us may be feeling that right now through bereavement, the loss of a loved one. Others have had the awful experience of people walking out on us but Jesus will never leave us. He will not leave us. He's the everlasting Father. And Father here speaks of Jesus' heart, his heart of compassion, of his love, of his care, that he is fatherlike in tenderness and mercy. In, in this verse, just to say that we know that Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus said that, but, but here it's not meaning that Jesus is the Father to sort of muddle up the Trinity. This is 
Jesus is father-like. You know, the father is the father, the son is the son, and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and they are three in one. Here it's saying, he is father-like with compassion and tenderness and care. This is the heart of Jesus. We need a savior who loves us. We need a savior who cares, not just mighty, but personal and near not cold and distant. Jesus is a savior who draws near, who loves and cares. You will never know anyone who loves like Jesus loves. You will never know anyone who loves like Jesus loves. We see in the New Testament, Jesus, uh, when he heals the, the bleeding woman who comes and touches the edge of his robe, he calls her daughter. And I feel like when that happened, I feel if she wasn't already kneeling on the ground, she may have fainted in sheer just being stunned that Jesus said such a name to her who'd been such an outcast. Jesus wept, we read at the grave of Lazarus. He wept. He welcomed children. He touched the leper. So full of compassion. Matthew 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion is a very, very deep word, a gut-wrenching, a gutsy love and compassion that leads to action. And it says he's it's an everlasting father again. He doesn't stop loving us. Jesus loves you and there's nothing you can do to stop him. He won't stop. He can't stop. Remember these beautiful words from Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, not anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he has proven his love for us, especially at the cross. And it is everlasting. It will not stop. Jesus is everlasting Father. His love never fails. And he's the prince of peace. He brings a true and lasting peace. Not peace like the world gives. People long for peace all over the world. In every nation, every society, it's talked about and thought about and written about. Everyone wants it. People try all kinds of things. We can't get peace only through. There's some great well-being practices that might give us a sense of calm in the stress of this world. But that's not the kind of peace that we're really talking about. It's not the kind of peace that we desperately, desperately need. We can't get peace by just lighting a candle and lying in the bath. Like that is calming, maybe at the end of a busy day. I, I saw a book the other day in a bookshop, inspiring ideas to bring you peace every day. But it, it won't do it. It won't be enough. We can't buy it. We can't find it like this. The Bible says that the word for peace in the Bible is shalom. And that is a wholeness, a completeness, a things being right. It's deeper than anything that we can get in the world. Peace is in a person. Peace is in a person. If we know Jesus, we can know peace. If we know Jesus, we can know true and lasting peace. Know Jesus, N-O Jesus, no peace, N-O peace. Peace with God is the most important 
need of all humanity, that reconciliation with God is man's greatest need, and Jesus came to bring it. There is no true peace apart from peace with God. We can only have peace with God through Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Romans 5 verse 1, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. We need a saviour who brings peace with God. That solves our biggest problem. And that will bring us a solid, lasting, true and deep peace like nothing else can bring us. Your deepest problem, if you know Jesus today, has been solved. That need for reconciliation with God, that obstacle, that barrier between God and sinners has been removed through Jesus' death on the cross. If we want peace with God, we can't have it without putting our faith in Jesus, without trusting in what Jesus did on the cross in our place. We have peace with God because of Jesus not because of our performance, not because of a search we went on all over the world to look for it. When we used to live in London, my, my wife had a, a friend who was from a, another faith and, and she would say, I, I don't know what to do with my guilt. And Ellie was able to unpack the grace and goodness of God in the gospel. Peace is a gift because the gospel is a gift. You don't earn it. Our salvation is a gift. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. It's a gift of grace. We're reading in these verses that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. In verse 6. That is a gift of grace. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel gives that peace to our soul, provides that deep rest that we so, so all need and search for for so long. That, that rest of forgiveness, that rest of being, I'm right with God. My future is secure. I know what's going to happen when I die. There's no striving. There's no one to impress there's no FOMO, fear of missing out. I have a secure identity as a child of God. We sang that earlier. There's nothing to prove. The pressure's off. In the good news of Jesus, the pressure's off. Peace with God, the pressure's off. And amazingly, if we trust in Jesus, we can also find we have peace with others. It's possible to have peace with others because of Jesus. And there's some amazing stories and testaments of people who had previously been opposed to one another, enemies, or simply just very different and had nothing to do with each other, brought together because of Jesus. It says in Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace. Jesus himself is our peace. Again, not something we, we found or a practice we engage in. He is our peace who has made the two one, speaking of Jews and Gentiles, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, uniting people here in the church in Jesus. There's an amazing church that's in, it's in Israel. It's at Mount Carmel. And there are people worshipping Jews, Arabs, people from different nations come together, all with, uh, under the name of Jesus, has brought them together, brought peace 
between people. We can forgive others who have wronged us because we ourselves have been forgiven. We can be united in the name of Jesus together. He is the Prince of Peace who brings true and lasting peace like no one else can. Jesus is the perfect saviour for a broken world. He is exactly who you and I need, exactly who this broken world needed. Perfect in every way, perfect in truth, perfect in wisdom, perfect in power, in love and in peace. We don't have to go taking a bit from this belief over here and and this philosophy and this self-help book, that was a good idea, and a bit of new age here, I like a bit of that. We also mix it all together and I'll find something that sort of works for me and We don't have to do that. It's all wrapped up in Jesus, the perfect saviour for a broken world. He's utterly unique. It's not like even that he's sort of number one on a a list of possible people, like the number one tennis player who is Novak Djokovic at the moment, and then you have everyone else sort of underneath him, and he's got the most points currently, but, you know, the others are not far behind. It's not like that. It's like Jesus is a completely other dimension or other reality or other league, completely. It's not... He's superior to angels, we we said earlier. He's not pointing the way, he is the way. He's not showing the way to enlightenment, he's the light of the world. He is peace. And this is only a glimpse, guys, what we've seen so far with these beautiful names that we've had. Only a glimpse. There's so much more. But Jesus has come. We celebrate this at Christmas and we lead it up in Advent into Christmas. Jesus has come and he is exactly who we need. We're not waiting for anyone else. He is the one. We sang earlier of the name of Jesus, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds. Let's put this quote up from Charles Spurgeon. Um, Again, just helping us fix our eyes on just how unique and precious Jesus is, a perfect saviour. Jesus, it is the name which moves the harps of heaven to melody. Jesus, the life of all our joys. If there be one name more charming, more precious than another, it is this name. It is the sum total of all delights. It is the music with which the bells of heaven ring. A song in a word, an ocean for comprehension. Although a drop for brevity, a matchless oratorio in two syllables, a gathering up of the hallelujahs of eternity in five letters. Just, just trying, trying to just capture how amazing Jesus is. He is exactly the perfect saviour that we need. I want to invite the band to come up and uh, we're going to respond in, in worship and, and in prayer. And, and maybe you want to be thinking about how, what is God saying to you in this? These beautiful names of Jesus, qualities and how he brings a new beginning. The nevertheless Nevertheless, it was like this, and he turned it around and brought a new beginning. Light in the darkness, new life. Wonderful counsellor, a wise and trustworthy king, mighty God, God in flesh appearing, everlasting father, a love that never fails. Prince of peace, a true and lasting peace for each of us. Let's not lose, our, let's have that awe of Jesus that amazement, just amazement of who he is and what he's done. And maybe you're here today and you, you, don't, you don't have peace with God. We would love to talk to you, pray with you, spend some time together 
Maybe you want, maybe you're really interested. We'd love to talk to you. And I just encourage us as we come into Christmas, share Jesus. This is, he is exactly who our neighbors, everyone just walking past this building this morning, every neighbor, every relative, he is exactly the perfect savior that they need. Just before we sing our final song, let's, uh, let's read these glorious verses from Philippians 2 uh, to lead us into our time of, of worship and prayer. It says in Philippians 2 that Jesus is, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's worship. Amen.